This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. You're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comicast with Joel and Matt. Probably sounds worse. Sort of break it, break it down like this. Welcome to episode 58 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, March 14th. And as always... We're reading your stupid tweets while we do it, so don't forget to tweet us tweets at Two Headed Nerd on the Twitter. My name is Matt Baum, and when I'm not completely dropping the ball on the THN NCAA March Madness tournament, I'm writing about it at PraisingComicSport.com. There was no official Facebook thing, so I didn't know what to do. I panicked, and I didn't do it, and somebody has already called me out for it on failure. And I'm Joe Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online, and when I'm not interrupting my co-hosts Thursday night drinking to beg him for his copy of the Strike Force Moratori trade paperback. I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. The man works in a comic book store. We didn't have to one. Grab a copy. This week you'll hear reviews of Saucer Country number one and Saga number one. After that, we'll review ten comics at speeds at borderline on Word Salad during the ludicrous speed round, and then we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to discuss the future of next week's comics. And finally. DJ and I will roll into your hood, spreading highly addictive comic product to your children during this month's edition of the Comic Pushers. But before we get to all that brown trout and blarney, it's St. Patty's Day. So let's take a second to pour a couple of black and tans, put on our Sean and Black Tom Cassidy costumes, and fire up our copy of Leprechaun in the Hood. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. Is that an Irish accent? I almost. I was going to try it. WonderCon is in full swing this weekend, but that didn't stop Marvel Comics from teasing several upcoming projects earlier this week. First up, the return of Captain Marvel in July. Do you think WonderCon's pissed? I bet bet part of them is like, oh, hey, great, thanks, guys. (laughs) Well, you know. (laughs) The publisher revealed the cover to Secret Avengers 27 an Avengers vs. X-Men tie-in that seemed to feature Captain Marvel, the original Marvel Captain Marvel. However, Bleeding Cool has reported rumors that the title will feature Carol Danvers, currently Ms. Marvel, with a new name and costume. Next, Marvel released a teaser image heralding the return of Extreme X-Men. Yeah, well, it's about time. (laughs) This is also in July. The original run of Extreme X-Men was written by the legendary ex-scribe Chris Claremont and featured a group of characters that operated independently of the main X-Men teams. And continuity at some point. (laughs) No further details were made available before we went into the ziggurat to record this episode. And finally, the publisher announced The Infernal Man-Thing, a three-issue miniseries beginning in June. The upcoming title will feature the final Man-Thing story scripted by the late Steve Gerber, who wrote the character during his 70s heyday. The series was originally planned as a graphic novel in the 80s, but was never released. The Infernal Man thing will be drawn by Kevin Nolan, and will be lettered by professional Eisner winner Todd Klein. And will feature covers by Nolan, Art Adams, of course, who else to draw Man thing and the late Gil Kane, somehow. <laughs> That's interesting. You got two dead guys working on this book, huh? So what do you think, Matt? Do any of these teasers tickle your nerd pickle? You changed my I script. Did. I did. <laughs> in reverse order. Why was the man thing not published in the 80s, and is it because it's bad? That's my first question. <laughs> you know? Like, why did they not publish it? Well, I don't know. Maybe it was just never... Not oh, everything well, Steve Gerber uh, wrote was gold. It could be because of that whole Howard the Duck stuff, and he said, forget it. Oh, that's true. I forgot. He got honked off. I mean, maybe. But then again, he didn't own that crap. And this was the 80s when they published stuff, whether you liked it or not. And if you got paid, you were lucky. So who knows? Extreme X-Men. Extreme X-Men. 
could care less. Depends on what it is, I suppose. Well, we've already got too many X-Books as it is. Yes, we do. There's too many, and there's too many that are not doing anything. The only one that I'm really enjoying right now is Wolverine and the X-Men. My prediction is that it will be uh, the adjectiveless book, the Victor Gishler book, will become Extreme X-Men. But Or Generation Hope goes away and they do something with those characters in the pages of Extreme X-Men. Well, Generation Hope is going away. That's yeah. already a thing. I wonder but. if that's what they do with this. And first, you know what? I feel nothing for Captain Marvel. I've never... Shut your mouth. I've never felt anything Shut for Shut your character. whore mouth. And I don't care if he comes back. I really don't. I've never felt anything for him. But what if it's the return of Carol Danvers dropping the Miz and saddling up? I don't care. Becoming like, the captain. I like your better as binary. Oh, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, buddy. Read your news. Star jammers. <laughs> In legal news, which we're getting really good at, by the way. We should just do, oh, man. We should just switch to a straight comic legal podcast. But we don't know anything. I know, but it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> In legal news, charges raised against the United States citizen Ryan Matheson by Canadian courts have been dropped after a two-year battle. Matheson was stopped by customs while crossing the border on his way to Ottawa. Pardon me. While crossing his way on the border to Ottawa and arrested for possession of child pornography when agents found manga comics they determined to be illegal. Both the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund and the Canadian Comic Legends Legal Defense Fund. That's a mouthful. Wow. <laughs> Contributed to Matheson's case and will continue to help him raise the forty-five grand. Is that a Canadian or American? American. American. Well, actually, I think Canadians were a little more right now. In legal fees, he still owns. Unfortunately, Matheson was forced to plead to a non-criminal regulatory code of the Customs Act of Canada. They have such cute little fake laws up there. I love it. But he won't have to stand trial. All, all criminal charges have been dropped. In a statement issued to the CBLDF, which I thought was long, but not as long as the Canadian one, apparently, Matheson wrote, Quote, this entire ordeal is the hardest thing I have gone through in my whole life. Some people might think it's easy or glamorous to go into court and fight unjust things like this, but it was truly hell to go through. This is a really bad situation all around, and it really illustrates the importance of organizations like the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. In this case, a completely innocent man nearly had his life ruined by some overzealous customs agents who didn't understand what they were looking at. Now, I have also not seen it. So I don't know what the book in question is. And they have not made public the title of the book either, to the best of our knowledge. I couldn't find any mention of what uh, the product was. But it was it was not necessarily a book in his possession. Uh, it was files on his computer. So it could have just been like a cover image or panels. You know, right. Not like an entire... That said, some of this stuff does get a little racy. It and does. some of it is downright pornography if it's in the hentai realm but but they, according to yeah. his case and and matheson himself every character in everything they searched was fully clothed right it's just that they looked at it and were like no this is bad now do they go for some panty shots here and there and maybe of course girls but sure that's part of the game guys is it child pornography i'm saying no but i'm not going to get into definitions of that because it's icky and we don't talk about it on this show <laughs> the the bottom line is is that he had nothing to hide, right. and he gave the customs agents to the pa- his password. He's like, yes, go through it. Sure. And and they... And it's obviously not because he had a bunch of kitty porn in right. his computer. And they detained him. I don't know if we'll ever know exactly what it was that they found. I'm curious to see what it was, uh, so we could make a decision. But uh, chances are, it was probably just your run-of-the-mill manga-type stuff, which can be a little suggestive, yes. 
but no, it is not pornography. Speaking of pornography, zing! Robert Kirkman and Playboy magazine announced that they would be teaming up to tell the secret origin of Michonne, one of the most enduring characters of the Walking Dead comic series. The story will appear exclusively in the April issue of Playboy and in digital form on their website, and will be created by the regular Walking Dead team of Kirkman and artist Charlie Adler. According to a press release issued by Skybound, Kirkman's Image Comics imprint, quote, The story features brilliant art to accompany the never-before-seen mystery that explores how the iconic and sexy Michonne discovered her impressive skills as a master swordswoman and became the most admired and beloved survivor. Now, many words come to mind when I think of Michonne, but I don't think <laughs> sexy has ever been one of them. Oh, you, you gotta wonder if they're reworking the character. <laughs> now, Matt, what do you think of this kind of exclusive? Are regular comic fans getting left out? I think it's likely it'll probably be reprinted. Well, look, yeah, let's not kid ourselves. Everything will be reprinted. And honestly, if this is going to bring a comic book to an audience of people that wouldn't normally see comics, then it's a good thing. Horny dads. I mean, what up? Horny dads. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, whoa, dude. I don't know. It's Playboy. We're old enough to be horny dads. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I think we have a title for this week's episode, Who reads by the Playboy? way. If it pushes the comics onto people who wouldn't normally see it, it's a good thing. Me, I only read Playboy for the comics. You know, I don't know about everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good place to leave that. That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page where you're welcome to read the articles, but we know that you are staying for the full frontal nerdity. Joey, before we get into the corned beef and cabbage of this show, why don't you read us a tweet? Our first tweet of the episode comes from Vernson, who asks, has BKV, that's short for Brian K. Period Vaughn, okay. and Fiona Staples met... Or exceeded your expectations with Saga, why or why not? Funny you would ask, sir. Funny you would ask. Because we'll be talking about it right now! What? It's review time again, and this week was lousy with first issues to choose from Joe. What did you pick off this Wednesday's comic book smorgasbord? I didn't think there was any way to avoid discussing Saga number one, the long-awaited return of Brian K. Vaughn to comic books after a lengthy hiatus. K. Period Vaughn, not K. Vaughn. Brian K. Period Vaughn. <laughs> That's for who? Capital V Vaughn. Here from here on out will be referred to as Brian K. Period Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> this book is written by Vaughn with art by Fiona Staples. This is uh, an image comic, I should say. It's yes. not Vertigo, which. Caught me by surprise where when it was announced. It's where he's made his bread and butter for the last few years. This is the story of Marco and Alana, two lovers that are from opposite ends, uh, opposite sides of a of a fierce war that's going on, and uh, two different races that are involved in a fierce war. Right, and so they are on the run from both of their respective sides, and about to give birth to their first child and what makes it interesting is that it's all set against the backdrop of intergalactic space so this isn't your usual brian k period capital v vaughn story (laughs) it's just brian k period vaughn (laughs) and it's galaxy spanning and it's full of huge ideas and there is a lot going on in this book and it opens with alana giving birth and i have to admit that uh, the first page 
threw me off just a bit. Um, this I, is not what I thought it was going to be. It wasn't. It wasn't. I don't think anything would have matched the hype or the expectation that I had going into it because I'm such a big fan of Brian K. Period Vaughn's other work. It was good, but I was still conflicted. Let, I, me, let me help you out, and you tell me if you agree with this statement. I felt about this comic book after reading the solicitation and reading interviews with the creators and and listening to all the hype i thought they did a really bad job of letting us know ahead of time what this book was going to be about or what it would be like and i felt the same way about this comic that i did about the recent john carter movie i watched the trailer and i went that looks terrible. I have almost no interest. You're in that. saying it was poorly marketed. Then I went to the movie and I loved it. It blew me away. It was really good, classic nerdy sci-fi, and I loved it. I read the premise of this one and went, "There's really not much there." They're throwing out like Star Wars and like a cup, like I think they mentioned Avatar and a couple other sci-fi epics, but they really didn't tell us anything about the book other than it's Brian K. Period Vaughn writing sci-fi. You've never seen anything like that, so I wasn't prepared for what I got. I really enjoyed what I got, and after reading it, I set it down and I went, "You know, this is sci-fi." As really only Brian K. Period Vaughn could do. It. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know I, what I mean. Like I, it is absolutely. You can. He's here. He's very much present. It is adult. There are there's sex scenes with like weird robot people. Yeah, there's some very personal things going on here that very much reminded me of Why the Last Man. The way he told the story. Some of the stuff we got into with characterizations. But it's almost like he's doing a character study set in a giant sci-fi. <laughs> Like, galactic race war. (laughs) Yes. And, yeah, I I think you are right. I just wasn't expecting what I received. I wasn't either. And it's not that it was bad at all. Because it's very well well told. And the artwork by Fiona Staples is beautiful. Yeah, she's fantastic. It feels slightly different than her usual style. It, It seems a little... Looser. It's looser. Yes, I was gonna say softer, but it is not. It's not soft. It's, it's loose. It's way looser. And like it, you know, the thing they did with like the subtext, be, not being in boxes, but just sort of scribbled directly over the art, gives it this sort of almost like indie film feel. To yeah, it. it's very ethereal. It, this this narrator. It strikes me like an independent film director took digital handy cams and tried to make a sci-fi epic. <laughs> That's sort of what it feels like, you know? Like it's, I'm, it's real and it's gritty and it's I'm, I'm, a lot deeper than I thought it was going yeah. to be. Well, and I'm... And the story seems to be told from the point of view of the baby. I am flipping through it as I, as I speak here and just, I had kind of forgotten how many different ideas there are in this book. You've got weird royal family aliens with, like Matt said, computer monitor heads or something. And you've got a woman in here that looks like a narwhal. Yeah. And you've got flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz and alligator butlers. But here's where this book succeeds. It, like, we just recently, we both read the Star Wars Dawn of the Jedi thing, whatever it was called. Yes, yes. Which was a gigantic info dump and was one of the most boring things I've read in a long time. It really was. Whereas this book, there is no info dump. They drop you, Brian K. Period Vaughn drops <laughs> you right into the story. And I think that might be why I struggled a little bit with it, because I need more time. It's just, I need more time to absorb the information to get to know these characters and this world. And that's fair. I guess the question is, are you going to? Yes. 
and you're gonna un- take that time yeah and unlike many first issues he doesn't give it all to you right off the bat no and so maybe it should be a little difficult to read and you should feel a little lost because the characters are lost they're on the run their yeah. lives are in upheaval and nobody writes comics like this brian k period vaughn it is very real and we're not used to seeing a sci-fi epic with this much characterization and you it's know true. honestly it's like true. i didn't think that's what i would be staying for i want to see what the rest of the universe is like but i'm gonna stay because i instantly care about these characters most most sci-fi stories you get are some variation of Right. Of Star Wars tropes, which much. sounds bad, but they're archetypes. You know, you, you've mm-hmm. got your Han Solo type and your Luke Skywalker type or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's safe to say that this book was extremely unique. It was a little bit of an adjustment getting into it, but I'm giving the book a strong buy it. I definitely recommend it. John from Burn Wieners tweeted about how he kind of loved it and hated it at the same time, and I totally get it. Uh, it it was a tough book, but I'm willing to go on this journey. I like how Brian K. Period Vaughn challenges his readers, and I really enjoyed this because it wasn't what I expected it to be. And I have a feeling when this is all said and done, it's going to be one of my favorite things that he's written. I really enjoyed it. It caught me off guard. I'm giving it a huge bite as well. It's definitely not a book for everybody. It's definitely a mature reader's book. I, I think the mistake will be thinking it's going to grab you and take you on a ride like Why the Last Man did right. with issue one, and yeah. you've got to give it a chance to this get is, there. This looks like it's going to be a slow burn. Yep. Matt, tell me a little bit about illegal aliens. I can tell you... Real alien. It's no fun being an illegal alien. Hmm? All right. <laughs> I read Saucer Country, number one, from DC Vertigo by Paul Cornell and Ryan Kelly. This is Paul Cornell's first Vertigo series, and I think really the first time we've seen him turn loose to just kind of play in his own sandbox with his own characters. We'll mark this one up as only in a comic book because Saucer Country is the story of Arcadia Alvarado, the Democratic governor of New Mexico, who, while making her decision to be the first divorced Mexican-American presidential candidate, is also dealing with the fact she's been abducted by aliens. What? (laughs) And she may have discovered a conspiracy that she'll need the powers of the presidency to stop. Oh, man. Yeah, this one of the wackiest ideas I've heard for a series for a long time. But unlike... I saw a lot of reviews for this book that went, I can't believe this premise worked, which I think is really insulting to comic books because any premise can work if it's written well and you get good talent on the book, you can make anything work. Thundercats Superman could have been one of the best Superman stories you've ever read had it been handled well. The comic opens with some really nice stuff from artist Ryan Kelly. It's a it's a night scene where we see Arcadia waking up next to her her ex-husband, her alcoholic ex-husband, both very confused in the car and startled by her own political advisors who have been looking for her. And he's all beat up. I've never really noticed Kelly's art. He's worked on a lot of titles I liked, like Lucifer, Northlanders, DMZ, uh, most recently New York Five, which I didn't read, but I heard was really good. But as I said, I've never really noticed his artwork before. I noticed it here. What surprised me, not that it really stood out or was flashy, he did a really good job keeping the story very real world and very sharp so we could focus on the dialogue and on the overriding story which is very interesting what really surprised me here was not 
that a comic featuring aliens and politics works, but that Cornell, a British writer, has such an excellent handle on American politics. <laughs> I was totally blown away. I mean, this guy writes Doctor Who, which I could barely follow. It's so British. There's some really snappy dialogue here that reminded me of what I love about shows like The West Wing, and then it seamlessly changes gears into something closer to The X-Files. And it works. It Cornell does a fantastic job portraying Arcadia as sort of this better-looking, younger Hillary Clinton, sort of a, a liberal Sarah Palin, if you will, and much smarter. You betcha. <laughs> Arcadia has an alcoholic ex-husband who also may have been abducted by aliens and who her political advisors are trying to get her to demonize to win sympathy from voters. Her alien abduction dreams aren't so much the stuff of sci-fi, but they're more kind of psychedelic false memories. It very much reminded me kind of Whitley Stryber's communion. Well, let me stop you there. What I really liked about that was for the entire first issue, she's struggling with the fact that her memory is fragmented. Yeah, like something is wrong. And she doesn't know exactly what's happened. And she kind of comes up with the notion that her mind has filled in these gaps to, as a coping mechanism right? because her husband tried to beat her up or rape her or Yeah, because her ex-husband, she thinks her ex-husband may have sexually and assaulted her. And she fought him back. Be, yeah, and... While giving this off-the-cuff political speech, she has this epiphany and realizes, no, I think I was abducted <laughs> by aliens. Aliens. <laughs> I'm really curious to see where Cornell goes from here it, because, honestly, at the end of the issue, we don't know if Arcadia is crazy or she actually has been abducted. No, I think it actually happened because if you if you this is a slight spoiler, but if you go back to the scene early in the beginning where she wake up, wakes up in the car, the ex-husband's all bloodied. Mm-hmm. And he says to her, "I think I got beat up. Why would you let them do that?" Yeah. So something happened to him. As far as we know, something happened. Yeah. We don't know what so far. <laughs> I think Saucer Country is going to be a much better fit for a writer like Cornell than, say, Stormwatch. I think it, it what he was doing there just didn't work so much. And this, he's got a very clear direction. He's got a clear story. He's got a whacked out solicitation. You know, like, yeah. This is just, it's such a fun idea and it can only work in comics. This reminds me about why I love Vertigo Comics because there's no rules. They can do whatever the hell they want. Yep. I'm giving this a huge buy it. Can't I, wait to see where it goes. Totally agree. I really, really liked it. And the comparison to the West Wing is very apt. I mean, she's got her own Leo McGarry. Oh, yeah. And, uh,. <laughs> The cute blonde Republican advisor that she hires for an outside perspective. Yeah. I mean, that's that is actually a plot of listening. I think it's a great comparison. The characters are are very strong, and the art is beautiful. I'm giving it a strong bite as well. I'm very excited to read more. As always, we want to know what you nerds thought of these comics, so let us know how drunk and disorderly our reviews were over at our Facebook page. Before we move on, DJ, read us another tweet. John from Burnt Wieners wants to know, name three songs that would be on the Why the Last Man soundtrack for the movie adaptation. No Nickelback, Joe. Listen. If that were an issue, you would not be sitting across from me. I have never voluntarily listened to Nickelback. Uh, my first contribution... I'm going to go... Okay, I'm going to say right now, all the titles have to have girl or girls in them, because I don't have time to go all Mark Mothersbaugh on this and get the most perfect thing you know ever. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Girls by the Beastie Boys. 
uh, anything by Girls Against Boys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great band. Yeah. Love that band. Uh, girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon. Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon. I like that. Who did the cover of that? I can't remember. Urge Overkill. Oh, yeah, we'll do the Urge Overkill version. You're right. Definitely. It's a good one. Uh, girls Just Want to Have Fun. Cindy Lauper. Classic. I think Girls Just Want to Have Fun is the is the theme to I, why the I think it. Girls Just Want to Have Fun is the closer as a credits roll. Yeah, yeah. Like know? where there's like the triumph yeah. freeze frame. Yeah. <laughs> they turn around. Like they finally get to prom. You know, and they're like, all right. Yeah, it did turn out to be great. And then... <laughs> And then Molly Ringwald kisses the monkey and the, you know. <laughs> I think we need more than three songs. <laughs> Thanks for the question, John. Now join us in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum where DC's favorite Irish spirit, the gay ghost, who would later become the grim ghost when that word's meaning changed after the 50s. Thanks. <laughs> not, not that there's anything wrong no, with that. No, no, I mean, we're fine, you know. Will lead us into the netherworld to show us secrets of next week's comics. Matt, what comic has the long-deceased Earl of Strathmere chosen for you? Yeah, we do Golden Age homework on this show, baby. Research. Next week, I'm excited for Smoke and Mirrors number one from IDW. Written by Mike Costa and sleight of hand artist and Disney Imagineer, whatever the hell that means, John Armstrong. I Imagine not. I presume he's a magician? With art by. Sleight of hand. Ryan Brown. They're not. It's not magic, Matt. It's illusion. It's an illusion. This is the story of a stage magician thrust into a world where magic rules, not technology, leaving him forced to use his own illusions to survive. Sounds cool, right? <laughs> Joe, what will you be reading? My chosen book is The Strange Talent of Luther Strode Number 6. Yes. From Image Comics, the long-awaited finale to the first miniseries. Hopefully they'll tell us what the hell is going on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think I haven't noticed how late it is, Trad. If that is your real name. Yeah, Trad Moore. Who names her kid Trad? I mean, it's terrible. Jesus. Trad's a great name. Is it? I'm sorry, Trad. Trad's a great name. I mean, maybe it's like his rap name. His real name is Richard. You know, <laughs> Richard Trad Moore. <laughs> Dick Moore. Now it's time to pile into the THN Fantastic Car. We'll be reviewing 10 comics at supersonic speed before we land in Dublin for our St. Paddy's Parade appearance. We'll be riding afloat with the Pogues and some of your favorite Irish superheroes, including Siren, Jack-O-Lantern, Silver Banshee, Tommy Monaghan, better known as Hitman, Cassidy from Preacher, and of course, Shamrock. So Silver Banshee's a villain. She's still Irish. She's still invited. <laughs> so grab your enchanted shillelagh because it's time for a wild Irish ludicrous speed round. Speed, go! The Shade, number six. This is your monthly The Shade is Awesome announcement. Oh, please, I texted you this morning and said all you're going to do is tell everybody how great it is. It will be every... I am telling you now, I will mention The Shade every month for the remainder of the year. His answer texted me, you just have to wait and see what I thought of it. It was so good. <laughs> Javier Polito, part two of the La Sangre story. Ah, I loved it. Buy it. Fantastic Four, 604. This is the fi uh, the finale of Hickman's Forever storyline, and immediately after I put it down, I said out loud, by myself, mind you, that this might be the best Fantastic Four issue I've ever read. It was totally awesome. So good. I have no idea where the title's going to go from here, though. Like, can it get bigger? I don't know. I love it. Buy it. The Activity, number four. The last couple of issues of The Activity, I found a little 
eh, not as exciting as the first one, but this one was great. Like, I was on the edge of my seat, metaphorically speaking. It was super thrilling. I, I had a really good time reading it. Great art. I'm giving it a buy it. Crossed Badlands, number one. Every time I pick up a new Cross comic book, I find myself liking it and being surprised. And this was no exception. Jason Burroughs, the artist, is really getting good at what he does. Garth Ennis is very solid here. He's writing about the Cross outbreak in England, where he's from. So he's going to do just fine with that. I really liked it. It wasn't as violent and disgusting as the other ones, and I'm on board for this series. Buy it. You know that every time you say that you liked Crossed, John from Burnt Wieners gets a little more powerful. It was, it's good. Battle Scars, number five. I'm out. You're done? I'm out. You're done? I, I will read the last one. Is he Black Nick Fury? He's it. He is Black Nick Fury. Oh. This was the issue. We found out that he is definitely the kid of Nick Fury, and they even pluck his eyeball out, oh. just like Daddy. Come on. It's like... They do not care that I know they're trying to manipulate me. Isn't there a German word that describes that kind of like ironic, dramatic moment? <laughs> I can't remember. You're thinking of Schadenfreude. No, I'm not thinking not of that. that means. That's not what I'm thinking. Anyway, I'm giving this book a leave it. I do not need this in my comics. Avengers 24. Bendis finally answers what the hell was going on with Norman Osborn, and it's kind of cool. The big conclusion of the story is here, but it fell a little flat. I like the adaptoid thing. And Daniel Kuna is still a great artist, but this story took way too long to end this abruptly. Seriously. I can only give it a skim. Batman and Robin, number seven. This is sort of the conclusion to the first arc on Batman and Robin, and it was so good. I was behind. I'm, I've got all caught up now, and Damien does something very bad. <laughs> very bad. <laughs> and I don't know how you go back from this, but I can't wait to find out why. I'm giving it a buy it. Avengers Assemble, number one. Speaking of being manipulated. what I did there? I'm glad the general public doesn't hate the Avengers anymore, but the change in tone from them hating them to them totally f***ing loving them was kind of ridiculous. Uh, Bigley was really good here. Normally, I don't think of him when I think of team books, and he falls down on team books, but he was really good here. This is a good jumping on point if you haven't been reading any Avengers stuff and you kind of want to know what's going on, but at the same time, I really don't need another Avengers title. And this feels forced. It feels really forced. Still, I'm giving it a skim. It was completely forced. It was completely unnecessary. And Bendis did not give you any information. No. You don't know why anyone's doing anything in this book. The reason this book exists is because there's a movie coming out. There's no purpose. Leave it. Yep. That's a double review for that one, by the way. Bendis hater. Adventure Time, number two. It's your turn again. I wasn't going to review Adventure Time, number two, but Matt stole my uh, my fifth book. I read this, and I literally did laugh out loud several times. <laughs> and I love the first one, so it's really no surprise, but... I don't often laugh out loud when I read funny comics. I just smirk and go, that was fun. When I looked at the like the, the creators that are lining up to work on this book for the next few issues, this could easily become like the best comic book ever James written. James Kulchaka's doing a backup. I know. This is a wonderful book, and if you can find a copy, buy it. The Secret History of D.B. Cooper, this number one. Super whacked out book from Oni Comics. I loved it. Brian Chirilla, who drew... Uh, the Anchor. Thank you, The Anchor, which was also a fun book. Yes. I really like this. This was like... David Lynch <laughs> meets historical fiction. This was my pleasant surprise it of the week. It was totally bizarre. Not David Lynch. Just reminded me of Naked Lunch is what it is. It was super psychedelic. <laughs> it was D.B. Cooper going into people's heads and fighting psychic monsters to assassinate them. It was so weird. I totally loved it. Buy it. Wonderful art. I'm giving it a buy it as well. Glorp. 
that is your ludicrous speed round, and gore is the noise it makes when a psychic monster pukes on D.B. Cooper, as seen in this week's issue of The Secret History of D.B. Cooper, number one. It's time for another visit from the comic pushers, who understand that when it comes to slinging comics, to you junkies, rule nombre uno is never let no one know how much dough you hold, because you know the cheddar breed jets. That's right. How did I do? That was pretty good. Biggie Small said that. Thank you. That was pretty good. This week, Jared writes, the comic pushers, via Facebook, Okay, nerd of the two heads, my friend Jamie mentioned she would read a comic starring a strong female lead who's badass like Lisbeth Salander from The Girl of the Dragon Tattoo. What comic would you suggest for a statement like that? Well, it just so happens that there is a Girl with a Dragon Tattoo comic coming out. Yeah, great. Uh, so if she likes that, let's go chances off, are. Let's move off the beaten path. But yes, if she's looking for branching out, uh, my, the first book that came into my mind, though I don't know if badass would be the word I'd use, Brian Michael Bendis's Alias. We have recommended it before, and I think it was just in the very last comic book yeah, we recommended it, it. But, I mean, it is what it is. It's a, it's a, a female lead. She's not especially strong when she starts the book. But it definitely shows her progression to becoming the strong character she is now. Yeah. And she is she's tough and she doesn't take any crap and she's got a filthy mouth and it's just a wonderful series by that stupid stinking Bendis. <laughs> Good choice though. I'm going to go with Greg Rucka's detective book Stump Town. This was from Oni Press and this was the story of private detective Dex Perios who seems to be really good at getting punched in the face <laughs> like she is a chick that can take a there punch, you go ladies and she is not afraid to dish it out either this was a fantastic book where we saw a, a flawed person who is very good at her job and not afraid to get in front of a dude with a gun not afraid to get kicked in the head when it comes down to it queen and country man yeah, that's another great. Didn't choice. even occur to me. That's until another just Greg Rucka book too. Uh, Whiteout. Speaking of Queen and Country, I think also a Greg Rucka book. Whiteout. I would say a better choice based on what this girl was into. If she's going for like Elizabeth Salander type character, Whiteout, excellent. The main character is this frigid, hard, mean woman. <laughs> like that really doesn't get along with anyone. But ultimately, when the when comes down she is one of the only survivors of what happens in that book there were two whiteouts there was whiteout and then there was whiteout meltdown they're both uh drawn by steve lieber and they were both excellent it's just whiteout melt was it just melt yeah oh that's right melt i would highly suggest all three of those books yeah there's a lot of queen and country is a spin-off of whiteout sort of sort of and it's more of a spy kind of story but it very much shows a woman in the old boy kind of network of British special ops. And she's not afraid to do dirty things to get the job right. done. And she's not also not afraid to take a hit. Yeah, it deals very well with the old boy network by basically kicking these guys in the pants when they need it. All three of those excellent choices that I think your friend Jamie would totally dig. And of course, we want to know. So if she picks any of these up and she does dig them, let us know if we hit the nail on the head. And if you've got the shake and only pure, high-quality comic stuff will cool your jets. You can contact the Comic Pushers via Twitter, Facebook, or our email, twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Sort of break it, break it down like this. Baboosh! That is it for the St. Patty's Day edition of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast. If you'd like to join us for a beer every week, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes. And while you're there, 
you can leave us a little star rating or even a short written review because it totally, totally helps. Huge thanks to everyone that's donated to our show, but we still have way more listeners than donors. It's true. Why do I have to be the bad guy that reads that line? It's not a bad guy thing. We say, hey, you dig it? Listen. Float us a dollar. I appreciate you for who you are. Oh, please. Like we're the homeless guy going, hey, man, I need five bucks. (laughs) If you guys want to keep us in Irish Red Ales, and why wouldn't you? For the THN Beer Bong, you can make your donation in any amount by clicking our donate button at twoheadednerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, twoheadednerd.gmail.com, where you can submit your questions or comic-related trivial challenges for our monthly Ask a Nerd segment and your entries for the THN Mascot Contest. Things have kind of dried up lately. We need some more entries, guys. And you know what? I, I heard that fool Kush has drawn something up. Is that right? He threatened he was. I was going to say, it's convention season. Go get a sketch <gasps> by a kick-ass artist, then claim it's yours, and send it to us, and we'll see yeah, about how talented we'll you are. never know. While Tony Harris is sitting at home kicking himself, going, oh, damn it. <laughs> Because he listens. Sure. If that's not enough for you, head on over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer the question of the week. This week's query is three Avengers titles too many. Three Avengers titles by Brian Michael Bendis is three too many. Let's talk about the Avengers titles, the state of the Avengers. I want to know what you guys think. Is three too many? Is it just right or not enough? Before we go... Our weekly shout-out goes to the boys at the Comic Book Pit Podcast. Word to you guys, but I will not be rooting for the Penguins in NHL playoffs. Until next time, true believers. Let's read one more tweet before we go. Our last tweet comes from Tony Doug Wright. Who wants to know what comic book was cooler, Rom or Machine Man? Rom. Until next time, true believers. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. From the land of the Irish Spring. Dublin's the place where I learned my thing. From the Emerald Isle to your place in the hood. I'm the man of green, come to do no good. Lep in the hood, come to do no good. Lep in the hood, come to do no good. Plenty is dope.